0: the Braves get a big win on senior night pretty sweet so let's get to some Braves talk officially turns over to March. The Braves get a big win, and it is officially gut-check time in college basketball. Welcome to Braves Talk, everybody. It's the Iceman, Matt Freights, and across from me, the Pals, Coach and OG. Welcome, guys. Happy Friday. Iceman,
1: Dad, OG, and Braves Nation. Uh, Welcome to Braves Talk. This is exciting. We've got uh, the season finale coming up on Sunday against the Drake Bulldogs, but I think that we're going to spend some time here talking about what happened Wednesday night, a clean sweep of the Southern Illinois Salukis, which is always, it's always a good one to get, Um, no matter how good that program is, it's nice to assert our dominance. We got to celebrate four seniors, which was really exciting, and we got to see a great basketball game, and one that we were kind of pining for a little bit, right, as fans. um, One where we came out and separated ourselves, and had a little breathing room in the second half, which was really nice.
0: How's it going, Rick? Yep.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Wednesday's game was what we were hoping we would get when we played the birds last Saturday. Did not happen. But a win's a win. Hey. Hey. W's a w is it, in the W on in the left side of the column. That's where we we won them. So, an exciting game coming up this weekend.
0: Absolutely. The,
2: you know. I mean. Hey. Even though we got third and they're going to be second. There's a lot to play for in that game alone. You know, I mean, a possible, if you want to even talk about it or think about it, I mean, we go in there and we take care of business. You know, we're not going to go to the second seed, but man, that might open the door for conversation for a possible NIT bid Yeah, you know, that's how we play and such. So
0: Definitely a lot to look forward to for sure coming in. But let's talk about Wednesday. So Wednesday, I was sick, but I was able to watch the first half. And I was able to see how Brian Wardle, Coach Wardle, started all the seniors, which I hear, Rick, you are not a big fan of. But I think it worked out. Team jumps out to a big lead and you get to see the strength of the team as the first half goes on. It was a very physical first half, but I felt like they were playing great in inside in the paint. The team is paced by Darius Hanna, who has a great night, 22 points, and I got to see him hit his first three of the year, which was pretty awesome. So that was uh, that was a fun little moment, and probably one of those oh no, oh no, oh yes moments because it goes up and you're like, what is he doing? But it was it was a fun moment, I thought, and the broadcast team did a pretty good job of highlighting that moment. Duke and Malavi each in double figures. Malavi has a big night with six blocks, highlighting his potential candidacy for Defensive Player of the Year. And Brad, as you said, it was a physical game, so why don't you give me some of your pointers from the game as you were watching it at home, or excuse me, what you guys were at the game.
1: Sure, so I I told you that early on I sent you a text, I said, I think there's a chance this thing could get a little chippy, because there was a level of physicality early on, and I, I think, I mean, right now, right, the book's out kind of on Bradley, that if, you know, sort of the A strategy that a lot of teams are using against the Braves is to come out and be extremely physical and try to impose their will physically um, against us. And SIU did that. And I was really, I was very impressed with how we handled it because we did not let um, SIU drag us down into their style of play. We didn't let them drag us down into kind of a mucked up matchup like maybe we saw against Illinois State. And we asserted ourselves with just superior play period. And that was great to see because getting caught up in the emotion of, you know, this isn't like an Illinois state rivalry, but it, it's always a, a highly hotly contested game. And, you know, being an in-state team and, you know, having a lot of battles over the years with these guys, it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of it, especially being senior night early on things, are, you know, emotions are running high. It's a game that you got to get for seating purposes and to, um, to kind of keep our composure and just focus on the things that we're going to win the basketball game was really, really impressive in my opinion.
2: Yeah. um, And to the starting lineup, I wasn't necessarily against it. I understand it. I just said, man, that is, that is a very interesting lineup to to bring out here. Just, I mean, who we had, the positions they played such, but Hey, kudos to them. They came out and came out strong. It was probably one of our best starts and, half the season so kudos to them really appreciate that certainly the
0: certainly the best start since we started this podcast i'll say that
2: yeah yeah and then when they brought in you know more of the regulars um we kind of lulled off a little bit and let them get back in the game somewhat but then we settled in and took care of business
0: yeah it was an impressive first half anyway like i said i was under the weather so i fell asleep but i'm counting this in the wind column gentlemen as my first win watching the Bradley Braves on television. So I'm very excited about that. But it was nice to see. Remember last week how you guys kind of gave me a little shit because I said, oh, we'd like to have an easy game. And easy was the wrong word, but a game in which they played really well didn't have to grind all that much the way that they did against the Birds. And they kind of got that as we're heading into the next game. So that's something that I'm not taking a victory lap per se, but... It's what I was hoping to see, and I think the team got that much-needed confidence. Now, you're stacking wins on top of each other as we're heading into the regular season finale, and next week, of course, is Arch Madness. So there's a lot at stake here, and this is exactly the kind of win that they needed heading into the finale, in my opinion.
1: No, 100%. And I I think there's kind of a narrative out there leading up to this final game against Drake that there's not much to play for. In terms of seeding, Sure, there's not a seating and overall placement to finish the season. There's not, there's nothing to play for in that regard. But I think when you want to look at overall resume, I believe it would be considered a quad one win for Bradley if they were to win this game uh, at Drake, which would be great for any resume, whether it's to help improve the resume come NCAA tournament time. If we win an Arch Madness, you know, or if it's to give us a strong enough resume to get in that large bid to the NIT. Either way, I think there's value there. And two, with the way we've been stacking wins on top of each other, you you don't want to sort of get off track. I think you want to come out, you want to execute the things that we've been working on, you want to play within the system. It's it's more so, uh, you know, and not, not practice, I don't want to say that, but you, you don't want to sit around and get rusty either because you're not going to play until late next Friday night. And that's a long break for these guys. These guys haven't had a break like that um, since the season started. And so you don't want to to get too complacent and too worried about resting. I think that you have to manage these situations very carefully to make sure that the team is at their best come tournament time. And something else I want to mention about the game, there was uh, there was a little bit of chatter happening on X about, uh, about the officials. And I, I thought... I've thought all year that the officiating has been pretty mediocre, like, con- like consistently both ways. Obviously, it's not; it hasn't been like, you know, I don't think it's been, you know, the poor officiating has been skewed towards Bradley or anything. Of course, as fans, we're always gonna every fan base feels like they're getting jobbed by the officials at some point in time. But like objectively, like I just think it's been pretty consistently uh, mediocre, and to see, um. You know, I think there was a Southern fan that made the comment, you know, that we we won because of the rest. Well, my man, like you can't lose by um you know, you can't lose by twenty points and blame the officials. If no. you lose by if you lose by three or four and you want to say there was a call here or there that maybe changed the outcome of the game or set, or changed the trajectory of the game, that's fine. But you you can't sit there and you know I am sure it's just caught up in the emotion. I probably would have been saying something similar, had the shoot it on the other foot. Uh, but is there anything else? Is there any other profession in sports where you could... I'm not saying it's an easy job by any means. And I know that they have a hard time finding officials, which is probably the answer to this question. But is there any other profession where you can be so inconsistent and do a poor job and there appear to be no consequences? I can think of two. And I feel... Uh, a politician and... A weatherman. A weatherman, that's true. Yes. Um, and I think that when you look at... uh when you look at sports officiating in general, I look at like I feel like officiating basketball is very similar to the strike zone in in baseball. It's just like almost ex I mean purely subjective, <laughs> purely judgment. And uh, you know, there's not a lot of black and white to it. Yeah, there's some, you know, very obvious out of bounds calls and things like that. But just the what gets called a foul, what doesn't get called a foul from end to end. And inevitably, almost always, they find a way to get the fouls close to even before halftime, no matter how big that disparity is in the first 10 minutes. And it seems to go the same way in the second half. It's just really, really interesting. Um, And it's just been bad, truthfully.
2: Yeah. um, Real quick, though, about the weather guy. I was one. (laughs) I was a weather specialist in the Air Force. So easy on us. (laughs) There's a lot more to it than most people understand. Uh, um, Back on the the officials. Go ahead. Hold on. A
0: a meteorologist for sure. But Pat Sajak started as a weatherman, a guy who just points at a board and tells you what's going to happen. Meteorologist I'm giving a lot of credit to because that's a science. They're actually studying it. But I could put a suit on and tell people what's going to go on if somebody tells me what to say. That's the distinction that I'm making. I'm not putting down weather people in general, but I am making this distinction over there is a science to it. I will tell you that.
2: Uh, anyway, back to the officials, you know, I think the post that I saw was someone said something about would Bradley have as many wins if they weren't always getting calls from the officials. And and my, my point was, is go back, look at every single stat of the games that Bradley has played more often than not, as far as like free throws, we're shooting double digit less amount of, free throw attempts than our opponents have you know in, in i ain't gonna say most cases but a lot of cases that has been the case it's either been that or maybe just you know we've always been on the short stick you know and then even with, with turnovers and such but but yeah when it comes to fouls yeah we've always been the guy that's uh had more called on us than there's your
1: homer take
0: no 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 here here's the thing though right and this is My opinion, and we've talked about this on Ice and Coach, and I've probably ranted about this everywhere, but when it comes to officiating, if there's something that triggers me the most, it is when people just automatically say officiating when a game doesn't go their way. Are there instances in which officials across the board miss plays? 100%. All you have to do is go to the NBA this past week to look at that, where the Knicks got away with one when the Pistons guy got tackled at half court nothing was called, and the Knicks end up getting the game-winning basket. Because let's face it, the Knicks are more appealing than the eight-win Pistons, right? So these things are going to happen. But I get really triggered because there are fan bases, and I'm not even saying this is the Valley, but in general, who it's like, dude, you lost by 20, okay? Like, in no world would a bunch of fouls somehow aggregate to you then winning a game that you lost by 20 points, The Saluki's lose by five? Sure, you can go nitpick some of these calls. But over the course of a season, most of the time, the calls that are beneficial to a team and the calls that go against a team are going to zero themselves out. A lot of times it comes down to when they're called. And we've talked about that on this pod before, where it seems like Bradley is getting calls going against them at the worst possible time. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the officiating's all bad, but Inconsistent officiating has been something we've seen plaguing sports for the last what five years, probably even at the professional level.
1: Fans are sort of to blame for that to some degree because of the treatment of these people. You know, I think we do lose sight of the fact that these are human beings that are uh, doing a job, and in most cases, probably not making a lot of money to do it, especially at the the high school and lower levels. I'm sure these college guys get you know make a decent amount of money, but um, it, it, you know it's a lot of times it's a labor of love. Uh, and giving back to the sport and being a part of it because it's it's not a very desirable profession to get into because of how you are treated and that it, you are the only people in the arena that like both teams' fans are likely actively rooting against at all times. And I will say, at the same time, it's very rare that you see a foul be called and the coach of the team that it's called against isn't chirping about it and it would get frustrating that every single time you call a foul you got to listen to the coach piss and moan about about the call or the player or rick um, you know show his body language about the call or whatever (laughs) else i do think there's a time and place uh to let the officials know maybe that you're unhappy about a call that was made and maybe that's they've just been desensitized to the the lashings that they get and Josh says, officiating has been pretty decent this year, all things considered, save the Drake game at home, which was some of the worst we've seen in many years. And, you know, I've said before, I'm not a uh, an expert on the X's and O's of basketball and, and specifically maybe what does constitute as a foul and doesn't. Uh, there, you know, our buddy Kevin who sits behind us is pretty knowledgeable and there's times where I'll see a call and I'll think that it's not a foul, and he's like, "That's oh, definitely a foul." And you know, I I trust his judgment because he uh, he knows more than I do in that regard. So I uh, the other yeah, there was one what the other night where you were you were said it wasn't a foul. We got called for a moving screen, and you said it wasn't a foul. We we're both like, "That's oh, definitely a foul," <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, subjective. I was like, You're the only person in the building that doesn't think that's a foul. Uh, but it happens though. Like yeah. it's not a
0: it's not a Rick thing. It's not a Homer thing. Sometimes we want. A result to happen. And so we kind of, I don't want to say delude ourselves, but we think like, oh, that was definitely it. And then when we go back and we look at it, we're like, all right, you know what? In the heat of the moment, it is what it is. But I don't want to harp on the officiating because that's taking away from Bradley's win, in my opinion. But a couple things that I took away from this, obviously Malavi had a great game defensively. And Brad, you said to me offline today that he should be in position, if not winning defensive player of the year in the Valley.
1: Yeah, I would think so. If you look at the look at the statistics, look at the full body of work, I don't know how you could not give it to him. Maybe people would feel like, well, that's just the easy thing to do, but the guy is such a model of consistency on the defensive end and what he does from blocks to steals and just locking down the guy that he is guarding. You know, that's not something that, uh, that's not really a statistic, right, an official statistic of how many points you give up. Uh, but I guarantee you, man, that, like, I'm sure he's probably had a, a bad game here or there, but he has. Uh, I know that you know Jason King got the best of him a little bit um, in the Indiana State game, and uh, the Terre Haute, I believe, or maybe the one at home, maybe both of them. I I tried to put those two games out of my head, but he usually is tasked with defending the other team's best player, and the overwhelming majority of the time, he shuts that guy down, and that guy is not a factor um, at all. Now. Seems like we struggle at times to contain number two or three on their team when that happens. But, um, you know, we we always, you know, he usually locks down that guy that we say, uh, we're not going to let this guy beat us. And, and that's thanks to Malavai that that doesn't happen uh, more often than not.
0: And Rick, the turnovers, yeah. less than 10 turnovers again, six turnovers. This, to me, is the sign that this team is poised to make a run in Arch Madness. What do you think? Yeah,
2: yeah, they're, they're, they're focused on on details you know making the extra pass when it's there they still every now and then will throw a pass that make you scratch your head i don't know if you you've seen that there was almost back to back our guards and i believe it was hickman and and duke but one you did a behind the back pass to the other and then almost immediately another behind the back pass back to the other guy yeah, I'm like, okay, that was a little fancy. You don't see that very often at all, but uh, but no, yeah, the turnovers, keeping them in check, those, and keeping our fouls down. Yes, because we only had what? Where's our fouls at?
0: Well, I mean, yeah,
2: that's still a little hefty, but Southern had
0: eighteen.
1: Thing so is, they always find a way to get it even. Yep. Yeah, but the thing oh. is,
0: the the, the Braves scored twenty two points off turnovers compared to I think it was six for the Slukies. That to me is again. When you're taking advantage of getting the turnover because sometimes you are able to get the ball away, stop possession, but you don't get that bucket. And Brad, you talked about that last week, remember, with the game against ISU where it's like you just want them to get a stop, get a bucket, get a stop, get a bucket. And it was like they would get a stop, not a bucket. And here, when you're actually able to get the transition going and you're able to score off of those opportunities, that leads to these types of wins. And that, to me, leads to momentum. And so... Before we get into the Drake game, though, I want to talk about the seniors a little bit. And Brad, you're familiar with them, and you listed out some of the accolades or some of the things you want to talk about. So I want to let you start and highlight the four seniors that were highlighted at Carver the other night.
1: Yeah, so we'll start with Connor Linky, right? So we've talked a lot about him in the last couple of weeks. He's come on, uh, played some meaningful, productive minutes for the team. And I mean, I don't want to go on to, we really talked about him a lot last time, so I won't go on a ton. But you know, just in general, the character and that he has shown remaining mentally engaged and to be a good teammate through four years of not playing a whole bunch, right? And and accepting his role, and now when he's getting getting an opportunity, he's really taking advantage of it and showing that you know you don't you don't come in and do what he's done if you're not locked in and participating in practice every day and putting the work in, and to see that. You know, even knowing that, you know, his time may never come, the the dude still showed up every day today and put the work in to get better just in case, right? right hey, with my numbers called, I'm going to be ready. And, and he was and he has been, which has been outstanding. And uh, he does. I believe he has a COVID year he could use next year. I'm not sure that we're expecting him to necessarily be on scholarship next year, but that's just kind of the general speculation. You know, I'm not sure what his intentions are moving forward, but he's been you know he's been a staple to the program and just very consistent and just the, st- the stability that he's given. things. So this over the last 4 years and this team has been through a couple of uh they've been on you know some bumpy roads here and there and you got to have ca- high character guys like that that can hold things together. Um Gonar Billy. so Gonar I think you know there might have been some higher expectations when he came in but uh things didn't quite pan out and and really like we've got a lot of we've got a lot of quality depth it is position on the roster, which does make it tough to get on the floor, you know. So that's another guy that you can tell his teammates love him by the way they they act towards him. You know, it's really hard to fake to fake that stuff. I think, especially when you spend as much time as you as these guys do together, it's really hard to fake your genuine appreciation and um, admiration for somebody and respect. And it's obvious that he has that. Another, you know, we forget that these guys have to practice against somebody during the week, right? There's someone that's got to come out and push these guys in practice and make them put forth an effort. Yeah, you're not going to simulate you know, the Darnell Brodies of the world in practice or Tucker DeVries in practice, but you got guys that are going to show up and they're going to give you everything they've got to help get you better and help get you prepared to play. And there's no doubt, I'm sure, that Gonar has done that. And again, to remain positive and locked in through, you know, in times where others may get Discouraged and and maybe lose focus, uh, says a lot about the type of young man that he is. Uh, Darius Hanna, uh, another guy that's got a COVID year that he could take. I think everyone is hoping that uh, Darius returns next season. And again, you know, we're going to talk. I'm going to say this word a lot throughout these four character man. Um, his sophomore year, he did not play very much at all, and I mean he he played more his freshman year than he did his sophomore year. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering, you know, why is Darius not playing very much? And uh, I don't know that, you know, there's probably people out there that maybe have the answers. But I think that, again, some of it was probably uh, the depth of his position at the time. But it it seemed, too, from the outside looking in that maybe the coaching staff felt like Darius had some learning to do um, and had some work that he needed to put in to get himself ready to come in and be a contributor to the team. And my goodness, did he do that? He came in the last year and was, you know, immediately um, an impact player for this team. And, you know, he was able to take on you know, an important role, but a lesser role due to having Rink and Malavi out there with him. This year, you have no Rink. He's the guy, right? He, he is the, the five man and undersized most nights, but definitely uh, not out-athleted for sure. Um, we, we've seen his explosive dunks and everything. And, and the way he's come along, his free throw shooting. Um, really improved over the last few years. I mean, I, I know that it kind of used to be, you know, people chuckle when he made one because he struggled a lot early in his career and he, he's really improved um, from the line. And again, it shows that these guys have bought into the coaching staff because you're not going to stay somewhere where you, if you're not playing, you're not going to stay somewhere where you feel like the coaches aren't invested in what you're doing and in you as a person and a basketball player. And they've, Obviously, did that and Darius was bought in, and he's been a tremendous asset to the team. And again, like I said, he could come back next season. I think we all hope he does. But I'll say this: Darius has put in his time, right? He's put in four great years. He's going to graduate in the spring, and he's earned the right to do whatever he he chooses is best for him and whatever he wants to do. And I, I can tell you, there's no hard feelings for me um, if Darius decides to go have a crack at a at a Power Five school that comes calling. Uh, and and see how you can stack up against the big boys. Uh, you know you're not going to catch any flack from me about that because Darius is uh, like I said he is served not served his time, but Darius gave this university everything um, everything he had for these four years, and it's been and we're not done yet. But you know he's earned the right to make this decision for himself. And then finally, obviously Malavai, who came back this year, had a fifth year of eligibility, decided to stick around. Glad he did because I think he needed a guy like him to. Um, you know who knows maybe some of you know, losing a couple of the guys early in the season could have gone a completely different direction if you don't have some of the veteran leadership that this team has had and Malavai is a big part of that it seems like from a distance seems like the happiest guy that, that there could be uh seems incredibly happy positive and uh, a great teammate and he's all you know he just seems so even keeled which is you have to appreciate because while we may think that he, we wish he would seem more aggressive at times. I'm sure he is competitive as can be, but the ability to not to not get on that emotional roller coaster and experience those highs and lows is extremely valuable because you see a lot of these guys, I think they get in their own heads once in a while and, and they get themselves in, in mental ruts. And Malavi just seems to be happy to be out there playing the game with his teammates. And, you know, his accomplishments as a player are well documented. Uh, and he's going to have more accolades. He's going to receive before this season is all said and done. You know, hopefully, he's a guy that can have a successful career internationally at the professional level. I think he will, and it'll be fun to follow him after he moves on. But you know, we these are four very high character young men who have contributed in different ways to the program, and it's it is it's going to be uh, tough to see him move on. But we're grateful at the same time for everything that they've contributed.
2: Yeah, I'm not as long winded as him. So I'm just going to lump all four of these wonderful seniors into one little thing here. And that uh, from me, you know, appreciate your time, your efforts, your sacrifices in representing the university as well as all four of you have to come out and entertain the masses each and every game. Uh, um, And as Brad said, the character is, is very high. Those who stick around the university and play for Coach Wardle will always have high character. I think that's been proven time and time again. Congratulations, and I wish nothing but the best for each and every one of you. And, yes, I do hope Darius Hannon does come back next year. I know he said he will play. We just hope he comes back here. People knew and understood and can see the vision of what this team can be like next year, even many other teams in the Valley. I got to include them. If everybody in the Valley came back that can't come back, the Missouri Valley will be an even stronger basketball conference than it is
0: this year. And Rick doing the dad thing, lumping all of his kids into one, not picking a favorite when he absolutely has a favorite. So congratulations to you, Rick, on being dad of the year once again. So congratulations to our seniors. And Brad said it all. Rick said it all. And we're not done yet. So let's move on to the Drake game we got coming up this weekend. Last regular season game, big rivalry. Obviously, the game at Carver last time was a tough loss. Hoping to avenge that loss, but I do have a theory. Last year, the Braves, and you're sitting in front of that visual right now, take the regular season title, Drake ends up winning the war by winning in the conference tournament. Well, this could be the chance that I believe Bradley has to turn those tables a little bit. Even if they don't get a win in this game, they have the ability to get revenge on what happened last year in Arch Madness. And I think that this game right here is going to be the first stone in the foundation to doing that.
1: Yeah, it very well could be. And I think that it's always it's always nice to beat one of the top teams. And and maybe we are sitting here um trying to pick and find things to feel like we're playing for. And I know we highlighted some of those things earlier at the beginning. I just want to see us build, man, build on what we've been doing and get ourselves right and in a position to compete next weekend. I think we would all feel a little differently about this game if it was if it wasn't Drake or, or you know, maybe unless it was Indiana State, but I think if it was almost anyone else we would, you know, we'd hey let's go out to get let's just get through this thing healthy and and get to next weekend. And I still do feel that way. Um I don't know that there's gonna be a whole lot we're gonna be able to take away from this game unless we come out and just look really poor. Or really good. Or really good, or or just out. Yeah, we go out and just blow the doors off Drake. But, you know, there, there's always going to be the question of, well, were they locked in, you know, and everything else. But I just think that we forget, too, that these guys are highly competitive athletes, Division One athletes that want to win. I expect to get everyone's best effort because you, you don't want to nurture an environment of complacency. And that, that's reason number one that I don't think we'll see any sort of complacency going into this game. And... It's going to be a good ball game, I think, and I and I I don't know if we'd get the crowd if we're going to get the crowd that we maybe would have gotten had Drake got knocked off by UIC the other night. In this game, would have truly been for like the two seed, um, or if it were you know a battle for the league championship, obviously. But I I think there'll be a strong Bradley contingent there. You know, Drake fans do show up, so it should be a good environment and a good a good basketball game. And it'll be interesting interesting to see where these two teams are, uh, right now against let's call it equal competition. Uh, heading into the, the conference tournament.
2: Yeah. Um, I believe that when we played them the first time, it was early in the Valley season, you know, after the first of the year. And I think we were still trying to find our way defensively and on the boards, especially defensively. I think we've done that. Sometimes we've been a little bit up and down on the rebounding. I think these guys have a good, good grasp on what, this game can mean if they can if they can go in there and get a win so you know just kind of like kicking back you know we got third and we're just gonna no that's not gonna happen that's not in Wardle's character you know uh, in hope it's not in anybody else's on that team let's go let's go get a very impressive win and because right now we're close enough in the net we can leapfrog them that's where it opens up a little bit of conversation for the NIT
0: so all you want to see is consistency. You want to see a solid performance. Do not want to see a stinker, but Rick, you did mention that we have one game to go, and you mentioned how there's still a lot to play for, and in the Valley, slotted under Bradley, because Bradley's locked in at the three seed right now, you have I, SIU, and Belmont. They're all kind of tied with the same record, and ironically, UNI and SIU play each other, so there's going to be a little bit of jockeying for position. Those two teams have a lot to play for in terms of seeding, Belmont is going to host Evansville as we head into Arch Madness. And there is a lot going on right now. Even though there's one game left and Bradley is slotted into the third seed, they have something to play for. And a lot of these teams that are right underneath them have a lot to play for. Because, Brad, as you like to say, every team in the Valley says, don't catch us in the tournament because we're dangerous. For the record, I was
2: perfect on my games Wednesday. Congratulations barely, to you. Barely
0: I don't have the fanfare or else I'd play it for you here on the soundboard, but we can do that. If you actually wait, I do but have it.
2: The biggest one um, biggest one coming up Sunday, other than ours, is is the uh Northern Iowa SIU game. Yep. And it's it's a road game for us or for Northern Iowa. Yes, Northern Iowa has not played particularly great on the road, but there's intangibles. Maybe a, a hint more for for Southern being senior night. And then also for both teams, they're playing for that number four spot. The loser goes to number six. In that respect, I got to go with the more experienced coach, the more successful coach, the better athletic team. There's there's better players on Northern Iowa than there is to me on Southern. Um, but yet you still have to play 40 minutes of that game, at least. You know, I think in in this time of year, Jacobson, like I've, I, repeated time and time again he has his guys ready to play and they've they've done that the last several games even though they've been home game
0: well coach teams are dangerous this time of year no matter what their record is and next week guys we have arch madness i think it starts on march 7th and we have a couple of shows to go before we get there so here to announce on monday's show we're going to have matt mcclain who is the i believe he's the play-by-play guy for bradley's espn plus Team, he's going to come on and talk about Arch Madness. He is going to be at Arch Madness, so going to break that down with him, and hopefully we're going to get another show in right before the start of Arch Madness. Maybe even get some super fans or some other folks on here to kind of talk about it from a fan perspective. We have not decided what we're going to do for Arch Madness just yet, because I know you guys might head down there and it may be a little bit much to go live every single day. But we kind of want to gauge what the fans are looking for. How many people are going to be down there? How many people are going to be even available to watch? What do you want to hear from us? So we're going to kind of gauge some interest on X and find out what you guys are looking for. Well, guys, we have one more game to go. But before we close out this episode, what do you guys have for the viewers right now?
2: I'm just excited to find out what the, all the the games end up being. And yeah, I'm going to pat myself on the back if everybody that I picked to win and, and uh, the Northern Iowa hits that four spot. But that's that's the that's probably the biggest one I think that there's even a question about is the you and I Southern game. Yeah. Everybody else shouldn't. Everybody else should win. My opinion.
1: What about you, Coach? Yeah, so uh, thank you again, everybody, for the support. Really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun to come on here and do this. And uh, like Matt mentioned, we're hopeful to get, get some of you involved with this. And, and as we keep going, especially in the offseason, man, we'll have a lot of opportunities to come on and talk about all kinds of stuff that you guys want to talk about. It's Bradley basketball-related recruiting, scheduling, conference realignment, all the fun stuff, right? Um, thank you. Uh, looking forward to seeing how the game goes Sunday. You know, one of the most interesting things about that game, I think, for us, we've struggled with large five men like Brody. So, it gives us a chance to maybe go try some things against one of those types of players, you know, and see how that works out leading the tournament. So we we got to solve for that type of player because it's been one that's really hurt us. So I'm curious to see how we how we handle Brody, just you know, obviously how the things pan out in the the four or five six slots. You know, those teams are going to be desperate to get a win because if they don't, you're going to play a UI a really talented, just poorly coached UIC team uh, that just took Drake to three overtimes. And if you win, you got to go through us. So. Uh, as much as we sit here and worry about some other people, I guarantee you they're more worried about playing Bradley. And um, so I think you're going to get a great effort out of both those teams. Uh, thank you again. I can't say it enough. Thank you so much. I appreciate the interactions on X and in the comment section here during the shows, uh, at the games, wherever.
0: Really appreciate it. It's been a blast. And go be you. That's right. Next week is going to be a heater, folks. We're going to give you as much coverage as we can possibly do with family family stuff and everything but I want to thank you as well if you want to find us on social media if you're listening to this after the fact x at Ice Man and Coach TikTok at INC Sports Facebook INC Sports and of course MaddieIcemedia.com for the other podcasts that we have let's go Bradley we'll see you next week and this is Braves Talk Opinions and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.